LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you each and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Well, welcome once again to the Now You Know Show, and we are going to have a time tonight. A little later on in the show, we're going to be talking about goofer dust, as well as a deck of cards as a prayer book, almanac, and Bible. We're going to have the professor's pontification and some good tunes and a lot of laughs. But up first, let's talk about the news from the old homestead. Well, it has been a week here. Uh, the temperatures have dipped down under 100 for most of this week, and we have been enjoying 
<clears throat> as best as we can, some balmy 90-degree days. But, hey, it's better than the 104-degree days, which we will be having this coming week. My two wonderful little grandsons and their beautiful mother, my daughter-in-law, are back from their summer vacation, and my, how they have grown. They are busy running about the place, playing with their dinosaurs, which they call dino roars, and having an excellent time. Well, there's not much to report. The continuing situation, which has been going on as long as I have been alive and most of my elders have been alive, of the incredible oppression of our African-American brothers and sisters and all people of color here in the glorious United States of America continues as ever. And we struggle through to do the best that we can do and stand up against that in solidarity and raise our voices. If your voice isn't raised yet, I encourage you to please Please join in and lend your voice to that struggle. You are indeed needed. Also, this week, we're going to be answering a question that came to us two weeks ago. Last week, we promised we would discuss it, and we're going to discuss it later on in the show during the section on goofer dust, and that question was sent in to us. We'll be getting to that, and we want to give a Big shout out to one of our favorite fans, uh, Dr. Park Borchette is perhaps listening or you may be listening a little later on. Thank you so much for all your kind words about the show, Park. We really appreciate it and uh, tip of our hat back to you. As for what's going on here in the studio, well, wink and... Uh, uh, Patchy Fogg are on their way back from Cincinnati, Ohio. The big uh, radio news broadcasters uh, convention that they held up there closed uh, this Tuesday. They had their closing ceremonies there. I got to see a few pictures from it. And they are even now hurtling through the air. Uh, to arrive back here. So they will once again not be with us this evening, but that's all right. They'll be back next week. And we have some people that uh, you heard last week who will be joining us again. In fact, after many kind letters and notes and a lovely floral bouquet, I just want to say, whoever sent that, you're very, very kind. Uh, that was sent for our new up-and-coming news mistress, Miss Loretta Evans of the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby. And she is here again with us this week. And we're very happy and pleased to have us with her. This is, again, only her second radio show, so much kindness is appreciated for her. And we're going to go across the hall where she's so ready, folks. You should have seen her. She came in today. She had pencils and highlighters, and she was just adorable. She was so very serious about this. So across the hall, we go to the LMC Radio Newsroom and Miss 
Loretta Evans of the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby. Good evening, you all. This is Miss Loretta Evans of the Quimby First and Second Baptist Church with tonight's news. Today is Thursday, August 13th, the 225th day of 2015. There are 41 days until autumn begins, isn't that nice, and 140 days left in the year. Tonight is the last big night of the Persid Meteor Shower. You can see 15 or more meteors, oh my, an hour before 11 p.m. And from midnight onward, the sky will be lit up with 50 to 60 shooting stars an hour. Oh. Today is an auspicious day to end projects, and tomorrow is not an auspicious day for any particular activity. Oh, bless that heart. Today's highlight in history comes to us from August 13, 1961, when East Germany sealed off the borders between Berlin's eastern and western sectors. Within days, the communist authorities began building a wall that would stand for the next 28 years. Oh my. Also on this date, in 1624, King Louis XIII of France appointed Cardinal Richelieu his first minister. In 1792, French revolutionaries imprisoned the royal family. In 1846, the American flag was raised for the first time in Los Angeles. In 1910, Florence Nightingale, the founder of modern nursing, died in at age 90. Oh, bless her heart. In 1934, the satirical comic strip, Little Abner, created by Al Cap, made its debut. In 1946, author H.G. Wells died in London at age 79. And in 1960, the first two-way telephone conversation by satellite took place with the help of Echo One. Also, the Central African Republic became totally independent of French rule. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to former Cuban President Fidel Castro, who is 89. Actor Pat Harrington is 86. Former U.S. Surgeon General Jocelyn Elders is 82. Opera singer Kathleen Battle is 67. High-wire aerialist Philippe Petit is 66. Movie director Paul Greengas is 60. Actress Dawn Lewis, 54. Actor John Slattery, 53. Actress Debbie Mazar, 51. Actress Quinn Cummings, 48. Country singer Andy Griggs is 42. I just love him. Actress Caitlin Ford, 36. Pop rock singer James Morrison, 31. And actress Lennon Stella is 16. Bless her. Our thought for today comes from Joseph Fort Newton, American clergyman, born 1876, died 1950, oh my, who said, people are lonely 
because they build walls instead of bridges. Isn't that nice? This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom. And we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers. Lucky number. Oh, dreaming of lucky numbers. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers gonna show for you and me. Superstitious. Or even makes me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. It will make me. That's mommy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trust in goof of dust. Cause you know someday it may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you'll be in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes. And just as the Nicholas Brothers said, someday it may rain. So we're here to help you put a little away for a rainy day. This week's lucky numbers come from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not slide on over there and give it a look? And they are 8, 12, teen, 23, 40, and 42. Once again, the lucky numbers for this week are 8, 12, 18, 23, 40, and 42. For those of you playing the numbers or the wheel, this week's lucky three-digit numbers are 212, that's 212, 653, that's 653, and a particularly lucky number tonight, 828, that's 828. The card for this week is the three of hearts. Three's a crowd, a rival, bothersome company. That's right, two's company, but three's a crowd. Also an advisement to make peace. This is a week to be careful of rivals or unwanted company or company that has outstayed its welcome. Guard your relationships and projects closely this week. However, this is also a week that is suited better to peace than to war. So try to have some diplomacy, understanding, and compassion. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, we're going to be going over to the professor's pontification. That's right. We're going to be discussing that old, uh, well, we're going to be discussing the in and the out of the old times, whether it was good or whether it was bad, and some of the hypocrisy that goes with it. Till then, we're going to slide right over via Soulsville. That's the way it's supposed to be 
Chains that binds him are hard to see Unless you take this walk with me Place where he lives He's got plenty of names Slums, ghetto and black belt They are one and the same And I call it Any kind of job is hard to find That means an increase in the welfare line Crime rate is rising too If you were hungry, what would you do? Rent is two months past due In a building that's falling apart Little boy needs a parachute And this is only a part of Some of the brothers got plenty of cash Tricks on the corner, gonna see to that Some like to smoke and some like to blow Some are even strung out On a $50 Jones Some are trying to ditch reality By getting so high Only to find out You can never touch the sky Cause your roots are in Sunday morning, I can hear the old sister say, Trust in the Lord. Oh, yeah. I hope that you hear the prayers. Most deep in the soul, they believe. Someday he'll put it in. We have it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, that was, of course, Mr. Isaac Hayes with Soulsville. And that leads us right into tonight's Professor's Pontification. Tonight's pontification is the high cost of ignorance, or ain't that mighty white of you? Tonight's topic is one that is very close to my heart, very near and dear to me one that I have talked 
fleetingly a little bit about before on the show when we talked about uh, Moonlight and Magnolias, and also when we talked about the uh, ever-growing, as my wife likes to call it, Duck Dynasty of Hoodoo Trend. But tonight, we're actually going to get right down into it. It may get a little heated, so strap yourselves in and get ready. There is a very popular conception that's going around these days and has gone around uh, some in the past as well. And it's a kind of fallacy. We see it a lot, not just in our spiritual communities, but also in our culture. And it's this idea that there was this golden age. That's the way we see it primarily in our culture. I'm not talking about our magical community or our spiritual community. I'm talking about in our general. And this is a bunch of hogwash that's sold on a platform that calls to the uh, lingering dissatisfaction that many people have with the modern era. And it goes a little something like this. It kind of like, uh, you know, once upon a time, this was a great country. Once upon a time, I want to get to see this country go back to being a great country. I'll remember when I was a child, etc., etc. All these people want to take us back to some golden age. Well, now, here's the problem with that. Right off the bat, I got to ask you, how goddamn golden was it? Because it sure as shit was not golden if you were black, brown, yellow, red, a Jew. It was not gay. Uh-uh, no. Lesbian? No, 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 no. Transsexual? It was not a damn age was pretty rotten damn age actually so you got to consider when people say i want to take you back there oh i bet you do brother i bet you'd love to take all of us back there and have us all back in line the way you think we should be but another manifestation of this is this belief that there was a better time than now. That Now we've fallen on hard times. People talk about the golden age hoodoo. Oh, hoodoo used to be so wonderful. Hoodoo used to be so terrific. Hoodoo used to be fantastic. And then this terrible thing happened. Fill in the blank. Whatever it is that they want to sharpen their axes against. Whatever drum they want to beat. Hoodoo was so great before they were stores. Hoodoo was so great before they were, people were putting stuff in books. Hoodoo was so great, etc., 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 etc. Everybody's entitled to their opinions. And as we grow older, we all feel a sense of nostalgia that may even develop firmly into a sense of ennui about the impermanence of things, about how things used to be. And certainly, 
there is something to be said for a kind of technological culture shock. Never before in history has the species advanced technologically as quickly in as small a period of time as it has in just the last hundred years. And so one can feel very jarred by all this. This, the end of the day, is a part of human nature. It's as true today as it was true 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. And you need not go and search far in history to find writers, philosophers, journalists of the day saying the exact same thing, bemoaning the loss of whatever, wishing to have this, that, the other thing back the way they understood it. I am sure that at some point in time, there was some human being sitting around saying, oh, the kids today with the fire, all they think about is the fire. I remember in my day, we didn't have fire. <clears throat> we had to work hard and eat raw meat. It made us tough. <clears throat> but now they got the fire. They're lazy. Fire makes you lazy. The wheel makes you lazy. The printing press makes you lazy. Whatever. But the cusp of technology and its trajectory is inevitable. So all you can ever try to do is to use it sanely, rationally, intelligently, ethically, and morally to not allow technological advance to rule over you. But what's that got to do with hoodoo? Well, I'm coming to it. See, there's a nasty turn in this. It's this little play pretend about the past of hoodoo, or more specifically, about the practitioners of hoodoo in the past. And it's a nasty pot of vile liquid that adds together a whole bunch of nasty ingredients. A little bit of the Moonlight and Magnolias, a little bit of the Duck Dynasty hoodoo, a little bit of exclusionaryism, as well as a good hefty pinch of back in the day I knew and he knew and they knew and now I'm telling you to profit the speaker. Let me give you an example of this. There has been an uphill battle over the past, well, more than a decade, a lot more than a decade, several, to try to educate people, to try to get them to understand that many of the old hoodoo practitioners understood astrology. Now let that sink in for a minute. I'm talking about regular old fashioned astrology. I'm not talking about, you know, some weird whatever and you gotta have a computer and whatever. I'm talking about regular astrology and ephemeris, signs of the zodiac, birth date, birth time, planetary hours, what's your sun sign, what's your moon sign, etc. There is a popular and incorrect belief that these, quote, people, these people, there, when, man, whenever you hear that phrase, you can get your hair set on in because you know here it comes, that these people didn't know that, that they didn't 
possess that knowledge, okay, that they had no gateway into use of or use for astrology. This is 10 pounds of hogwash, a five pound bag. It's bullshit. They did have knowledge of astrology. It can be proven time and time and time and time again. It can be proven by written materials that we know the individuals have. It can be proven by stories that are told by people that went to get help from root doctors. I'm not talking about any fancy whatever. I'm talking about regular old conjure doctor, regular old hoodoo practitioner, regular old root doctor in the South. I'm not talking about Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Chicago, San Francisco. I'm talking about in the South. Okay. And I'm not talking about 1968. I'm talking about in the teens, the 20s, the 30s, 1870s, 1880s, 1890s. It was there. They had access to it. So why would anyone want to say otherwise? Think about it a minute. Why would you want to say that African-American practitioners traditional Southern practitioners of hoodoo, root work, conjure in the South had no access to this material, this knowledge. Who does that benefit? It certainly doesn't benefit those ancestors. You're not playing them up. You're saying they're ignorant of something that they were not ignorant. That they were not ignorant of at all. You're saying they didn't have that knowledge. Now, maybe it's because, maybe, maybe it's because some people want to align astrology with a European school of thought. Maybe they want to label it as being something that's white, and therefore they don't want to see their non-white just be smirched by it. But I doubt that. Why would you do that? Why would you want to play up your ancestors as being ignorant? And not only ignorant, ignorant of something that there is proof they knew. I think opinion, I think it's another form of not so subtle racism. See, it's all easy and good to say, Oh, aren't these people beautiful in their simple little ways and their whatever? And you see this a lot when people come into hoodoo from the outside and you can listen to what fascinates them. I had a friend many, many years ago, decades ago, who worked as a doctor on uh, Native American reservations in the United States. He himself was a Native American. He said, the funny thing is, you can always tell, okay, the attitude of a white person coming in by the names they remember. All right? 
In other words, if someone is named John Long Whiskers, remember it. John Long Whiskers, isn't that cute? Isn't that adorable? Okay. Edward Running Deer. Oh, Running Deer, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that, that's great. Oh, that's just, oh, 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 oh. But if somebody's named Mary Smith, even if she's a pure blood Cherokee, they don't cotton to it as much. They don't warm to it. It doesn't enter their memory. So it's a kind of bigotry. And you see the same thing with people that come in to hoodoo from the outside sometimes. In other words, they're all about the black cat bone. They just love the fact that, oh, you use dirt dauber nest. That's just adorable. See, the nittier and grittier it is, the more it's outside of their perspective, the more it's outside of their experience, the more they think cute, kitschy. It's like some cute little bobble to them, some little tchotchke on the shelf. Oh, that, oh, they wrapped it all up in a simple little piece of cloth. It must have been an, an old little piece of cloth she had in her house. It's just, you know it's real because of that. So there's this need to play these people up by putting them down. Very subtle, very nasty, very pernicious, very ins insidious, very nasty, because... You've, you're playing them up. They got the real power. See, why do they have the real power? They got the real power because they're exotic. Because they're the other. That's why they got the real power. So anything then that upsets a little apple cart of how you're going to play these people as good old wholesome southern Negroes out there singing the in the cotton fields. You know, they're all fucking out there singing Old Man River, right? Anything that upsets that, you can't deal with. You don't want it to be a part of. And just one of the things that upsets that is that these people knew astrology. That these people could calculate planetary hours. That these people could get your birth date and birth time and tell you what your sun sign is and your moon sign is and tell you what was going to happen to you for the next week, the next month. They could do a yearly reading for you on your birthday to tell you what was going to happen in the year ahead. See, suddenly they're not all out there with the careworn, calloused fingers picking the cotton singing the songs they sang like birds in the field. And that's where that nasty Moonlight and Magnolia bullshit slips in. See? So you got to play that down. You got to play down. And this instinct, this drive towards playing towards the exotic and the otherness of another individual takes a horrible turn here. Because what it becomes is playing up the, quote, primitiveness. Oh, primitivo of the people. We're all over here in our high and white tower. And they are down there in the fields. See, they got this connection to the earth. They've got this connection to all these things. They wouldn't engage in astrology. And it's been a battle. 
It's been a real battle on both sides. I get some people in the astrology community don't want to deal with it. Some people in the hoodoo community don't want to deal with it. Other people that have an investment in some sort of primitive, exotic image of the simple rural Negro in American South don't want it. So they get rid of it. And it's just one example. It's not the only example. We have history, people, right in front of us. You can go and get it. I can show it to you. I could make photocopies and mail it to you. It's not hard to find if you want to find it. About people during the same time period that we're talking about learning Hebrew. There ain't no synagogue around, okay? There ain't no synagogue down the street. There's no rabbi. There's no shul for them to go to to learn Hebrew. But they're learning Hebrew because they want to use it for several reasons. A, they want to use it in connection with the Old Testament. They want to use it with the Bible and the magic that they're using the Bible with and for. Other people who are coming in from the islands where they practice obeya, they already have a tradition, Hebrewism being used, okay, and it's important, sixth and seventh books of Moses, etc., which were made illegal. People couldn't get them. People to this day, from Jamaica as an example, still believe that it's illegal there for them to own it. They tr they get real secretive, real, real kind of paranoid when they want to buy it. You don't believe me? You go ask Miss Catherine Ironwood about that. You go ask somebody who deals with them, who sells products to them, who is right there on the floor. Ask her if what I'm saying is bullshit. But see, it's another example. Oh, well, they wouldn't have spoken Hebrew. We have examples of some of them wanting to understand Latin. These are individuals that don't live in the Latin Quarter. In other words, they're not from southern Louisiana, as an example, wanting to learn Latin. We have some of these people who are very highly trained herbalists and botanists, not just in a folk tradition, which has always existed in the human community, but in a scientific sense. But see, they can't deal with that. They've got to put people like Washington Carver over in a little pedestal. Isn't he amazing? No, he's not amazing. He's a reflection of his community. He's a reflection of his time. He is also an amazing individual for his intelligence, but he's not some exception to the rule. And when you make him an exception to the rule, what you're saying is that the rest of his community, the rest of his race, the rest of his people are somehow lesser to him. But they're not. These people had knowledge. And they had the same knowledge, and sometimes different knowledge, that their white neighbors had. And when you rob them of that, you lower them. You're doing a crime against them. A crime against their memory. A crime against their lives a crime against their accomplishments, and a crime against their descendants. You see, there's a game that gets played 
in this country. Pick a minority, any minority you want to pick. And then associate something to them that's not necessarily true and make that what they are. It's not what they are. It's not what they've stood up and said they are. It's you on the outside doing it. Let me give you an example. In America, the United States of America, African Americans are portrayed as being physical, not intellectual. Nothing could be farther from the truth. There are numerous great thinkers, poets, scholars in the African-American community. But it's a game. See? It's a nasty little game. Let me run this game down on You're physical. You're not intellectual. Now, isn't that convenient? In that mighty white. How convenient. You take a bunch of people, go over, kidnap them, drag them back in, in chains, make slaves of them, put them to work in the field, and then say, they physical. Of course they fucking physical. You're riding on a horse over them with a whip, making them pick fucking cotton and tobacco and everything the fuck else. Physical or die. But the game is to portray them as not having a greater intellectual capacity. We see this today. We see this right now today in the current struggle that's going on. What do they say? Cops kill some African-American young man, whether he did something or not, whether they just felt like it, doesn't fucking matter. What do they say? Thug. He's a thug. He's a thug. It doesn't matter if he fucking graduated from his school, Val Victorian. doesn't matter if people were driving to their college, that they're alumni of their college to start new jobs there. The thugs, they're aggressive, they're angry, they're physical. It gets played left, right, and center. It gets played on Hispanic and Latino people as well. Well, they, you know, they, they work really hard, but, uh, you know, they all got these kids, and you always see them in the grocery store there with the thing full of food, and, you know, they're not good with money, and that's all bullshit. You give people jobs you don't fucking want, because you don't want those fucking jobs, then you look down your fucking nose at them, because they doing the work that you dirty your fucking lily-white hands to do in the first goddamn place, and then you're going to sit around and talk about how they're taking jobs away from you? I don't see your ass doing the work. Same thing happens to lots of different people. They do it to Jews as well. Well, the Jews are intellectual. They're all big fucking eggheads. You know, they're good with money, but they're not physical. You know, they're all small and weak and cowardly. And, you know, it's bullshit. I could sit here and waste 10 minutes of the goddamn show listing Jewish boxers, Jewish boxing champions, Jewish basketball players, Jewish athletes, weightlifters, runners, on and on and on and on. But see, it's the other side of the coin. I'm going to tell you all that you're physical and not intellectual, and therefore you're my lesser. And I'm going to tell you all that you're intellectual but not physical, and therefore you're my lesser. Because I'm the porridge that Goldilocks fucking picked. I'm just enough physical and just enough mental to rule the fucking world. And God loves me. That's why I'm so perfect. And they do this. And they do this. And they do this. 
and they breed in. They breed in to their narrative and their they breed into their narrative their fears. See? They got all these fears. So they play their fears up. The African American is oversexed. Gotta watch him around your women. He's a rapist. The rapinist dance folk around. Oh, he's got rhythm because he knows how to use his hips. See, he's sexualized. That big black stud. Mandingo. They make fucking movies. They write fucking books about it. To rob African-American men and women of their sexuality. To tell them that their sexuality is wrong. African-American women dance a certain way. They're whores and sluts. White women dance the same way. They're avant-garde and inventive. So the African-American's oversexed. See, he can't be in control of himself. The Jewish man, oh, well, all their women are so bitchy and controlling and smothering. They're all puppy whipped. They're all they're all cuckolded under the under the hand of their vicious Jewish wives. But at the end of the day, the game is still the same game. You're less in some department than me, therefore I am the fucking superior. That's the way that works. It doesn't always have to be the same way. I can look you in the face and tell you you're hardworking, but you're stupid. See what I did right there? You're hardworking, but you're stupid. You're lazy, but you're smart, etc., etc., etc. And anything you accomplish becomes, quote, a credit to your race rather than a credit to you as an individual. But what does it have to do with hoodoo? Okay, I'll tell you what it has to do with hoodoo. What it has to do with hoodoo is then this ingrained kind of thought says, well, those old practitioners way back in the day, 100 years ago plus, they didn't know astrology. They didn't know European magic. They didn't read Hebrew or Latin, etc. They didn't have that strength, that power. Now, then there's an even nastier turn to it. Now we take that and we move it into profit. So we've got all these people who stand up and say, I practice real old time genuine 100% original dyed in the wool on Easter morning uh, hoodoo, which is followed by because I don't do any of the following stuff. And anybody that does do any of the following stuff isn't practicing real hoodoo, like astrology. But it's bullshit. It's bullshit. They want you to believe that these practitioners had no conception of what they were. They were just some exotic, dusky-colored guy out there in the field doing his thing connected to the earth in a way that we have lost because we are the masters of science and literature and literacy and advancement. We are all so busy 
that we lost the simple connection with nature. It's like the old fire sign theater skit where the young hippies talking to the Native American guy and he says, yeah, man, you know, I just love all the stuff you Indians do, man. And pretty soon, pretty soon me and all the rest of the hippies, we're going to be out here on the reservation with you, man, living like Indians, dressing like Indians, dancing like Indians, talking like Indians, doing all the simple, beautiful things that Indians do. Got any peyote? And it's endemic. We even see it in the neo-pagan community. There's this kind of lemming rush to go back to some peaceful, pastoral past that's better. Yeah. Bedside, yeah. Bedside fever, childbirth fever, uh, you know, dirt floors, thatched roofs. Yeah, it was better. Yeah, cool. Yeah, death rates, high infant mortality. Yeah, it was better. Yeah, kick ass. That was better. Well, man, we were all just like living in harmony with the earth. Living in harmony with the earth. La belle dame sans merci. She is beautiful, but she has no mercy. Now, that mean I'm some technologist who believes that we should cover the earth and cut down all the trees and fuck the animals? No. It's what I said at the beginning of the pontification. You have to use technology in a moral, ethical, intelligent, and measured way and not let it be your master and be carried away on that magic carpet ride. But this idea, which Troll Talhead just pointed out perfectly in the chat room of the noble savage, is not exclusionary just to Native Americans. So what's the point of all this? The point of all this is that once again, you have to get up off your ass, open your eyes, open a book, go and talk to people, and find out the truth. That these practitioners, that these practitioners in the past had knowledge that you may think of as being beyond them. And you've got to swallow your pride and fucking deal with it. They understood astrology. They understood other cultures. They understood botany, agronomy. They had knowledge. And let me say one tantalizing thing about this. I encourage you to go out and look at some of the slave laws and some of the laws that used to exist in this country about the kind of crime that African-Americans could commit against white Americans. And I want you in particular to look into the poisoning laws. I want you to look at the poisoning laws. And I want you to consider why this was such a big deal. And don't just stop at the doorway and go, well, all masters fear that their slaves will rise up against them and will poison them. That's absolutely true. Okay. Don't, but don't just get lost in the Univox declaration after the defeat of Bodacia about 
Let us come near you so that we may tend your children, cook your food, and shave you so that the razor that shaves you will slit your throat, the hand that cares for your cradle will smother the baby, the cook that cooks your food will... No, I want you to look beyond that. And I want you to look at why. Why was there this vast fear that African Americans would engage in poisoning and what that means in terms of knowledge. People who don't know how to poison can't poison you. And they certainly can't poison you subtly. People that don't know about poisoning can't poison you effectively in large groups. They can just make you sick. You see, even, even, the idea that these slaves might be poisoners tells you of knowledge and intelligence that was held by these individuals. Tells you that those who had oppressed them and taken their power over them knew that they were not chattel beasts. So the next time someone tells you that astrology is a part of hoodoo, prick your ears up and listen, because it's true. The next time that someone tells you that old practitioners in the South would tell you that you had to write this Hebrew word down on a tin plate and then bury it, listen. The next time somebody tells you that these some of these old practitioners in Louisiana fervently and deeply sought to get their hands on and treasured copies of the Petit Albert. Listen. Listen. And don't fall for this exotic, noble, savage hucksterism that is played to you by many a modern-day practitioner to lift themselves up because they are lifting themselves up feet firmly planted on the backs of those ancestors. Don't engage in it because it's a kind of racism that is hard to see. You've got to educate yourself. Otherwise, you sit around wistfully, ennui, nostalgically wanting some non-existent pastime paradise.
Was of course Mr. Stevie Wonder with Pastime Paradise, and he, like I during the pontification, is just trying to send out his own little signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network broadcasting around the globe, bringing news information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Manali, Sunday, 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner, starring Candelo Cambisa, Monday, 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesday, 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesday, 6 to 7, Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Wednesday, 5 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday, 6 to 7.30, and On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand. Saturdays, noon to 3. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. 
Thank you, Troll Towelhead Chief Engineer here at the LMC Radio Network for that wonderful, oh-so-swanky update on our shows here each and every week. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, uh, our own Wink Winkerson and Phil Patchyfog are still in route, in route, uh, from their uh, radio broadcasters convention. Uh, back here to the studios. We hope to have them back uh, probably later tonight or tomorrow, and they'll be back next week. Tonight, we are lucky once again to have uh, one of my favorites here with us uh, from the old KTVT uh, television uh, Monster Chiller Horror Theater. Uh, we're looking we're looking at a possibility of a team up between him and Air's own Madam Nadia because we think it would just be an absolutely incredible, fun packed moment to have Madam Nadia and this gentleman together. Without further ado, here to say a few words about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, our fine sponsors, the one, the only, Count Goulash. Take it away, Count Goulash. Oh, this is Count Goulash here to once again talk to you about the Lacumonjo Curio Company of 6632 Coffee Road, Forestville, California. You know, Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. For those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. <laughs> oh, yes. And not only that, but you can actually go and visit them. That's right. You can go and see them at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Bring the children to see the amazing train set with all the tiny miniature people and buildings. Were they always so small? And watch the trains go around and around and around as you get sleepier and sleepier, slowly following under the sound of my voice. And then, once you are liberated from the hypnotism of this, go and take a few moments of quiet meditation and prayer in the world's smallest church. That's right, the missionary independent spiritual church just outside the doors of the Lucky Mojo Curio Company. And then go in and browse the aisles and see the thousands of magical products that they have from all around the world. Oh, oh, it's so scary, kids. Yes. But if you can't actually get out to Forestville, California, that's okay because you can see them on the internet at www.luckymojo.com and spend hours in the quiet supposed safety of your own home browsing through all of their products. Once again, that's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, 863 Covey Road, Forestville, California and www.luckymojo.com online. 
tell them that Count Goulash sent you. <laughs> wow, what? It's just, just he's a powerhouse, folks. He's he's a powerhouse. I I I really, really, really want to have him on air with Air's own Madame Nadia. I think that would be terrific. I think they should host a show. I think it would be fantastic. I I would listen. Up next, a little segment I like to call Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. Tonight on the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, we're going to be talking about a deck of cards as almanac, prayer book, and Bible. As Bible, you see, as, as Bible, if you doubt me, why not? Pause a moment and learn a little from the man with a million friends. Friends, this is T. Texas Tyler with a strange story about a soldier boy and a deck of cards. During the North African campaign, a bunch of soldier boys had been on a long hike and they arrived in a little town called Casino. The next morning being Sunday, several of the boys went to church. A sergeant commanded the boys in church and after the chaplain had read the prayer, the text was taken up next. Those of the boys who had a prayer book took them out. But this one boy had only a deck of cards and so he spread them out. The sergeant saw the cards and said, soldier, put away those cards. After the services was over, the soldier was taken prisoner and brought before the provost marshal. The marshal said, Sergeant, why have you brought this man here? For playing cards in church, sir, and what have you to say for yourself, son? Much, sir, replied the soldier. The marshal said, I hope so, for if not, I shall punish you more than any man was ever punished. The soldier said, sir, I've been on the march for about six days. I had neither Bible nor prayer book, but I hope to satisfy you, sir, with the purity of my intentions. With that, the boy started his story. You see, sir, when I look at the ace, it reminds me that there is but one God. And the deuce reminds me that the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old and the New Testament. And when I see the tray, I think of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And when I see the four, I think of the four evangelists who preached the gospel. There was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when I see the five, it reminds me of the five wise virgins who trimmed their lamps. There were ten of them, five were wise and were saved, five were foolish and were shut out. And when I see the six, it reminds me that in six days God made this great heaven and earth. When I see the seven, it reminds me that on the seventh day God rested from his great work. And when I see the eight, I think of the eight righteous persons God saved when he destroyed this earth. There was Noe, his wife, their three sons, and their wives. And when I see the nine, I think of the lepers our Savior cleansed, and nine out of the ten didn't even thank him. When I see the ten, I think of the ten commandments God handed down to Moses on a table of stone. When I see the king, it reminds me there is but one king of heaven, God Almighty. And when I see the queen, I think of the blessed Virgin Mary, who is queen of heaven, and the jack or knave is the devil. When I count the number of spots on a deck of cards, I find 365, the number of days in a year. There's 52 cards, the number of weeks in a year. There's four suits, the number of weeks in a month. There's 12 picture cards, 
the number of months in a year. There's 13 tricks, the number of weeks in a quarter. So you see, sir, my pack of cards serves me as a Bible, almanac, and prayer book. And friends, this story's true. I know because I was that soldier. That was, of course, the man with a million friends, T. Texas Tyler, with a deck of cards, which, as it has been pointed out in our chat room, you can find in not only Hoodoo Bible Magic, but also in Hoodoo, excuse me, in a deck of spells. It closes out Hoodoo Bible Magic, Sacred Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery by Miss McHale and myself, and leads in at the beginning of a deck of spells, also by, well, me. So tonight we're going to talk about a deck of cards as the Bible. Now what you just heard comes from a deck of cards, the soldier's prayer book and cards spiritualized. Now this tale has been told about European wars dating back to the 18th century. Its earliest reference is found in the 1762 household ledger of a British farmer's wife named Mary Bacon. The story was later recorded in a piece of 19th century British literature called The Soldier's Almanac, Bible, and Prayer Book. French versions of the tale appeared in 1778 and 1809. Still later, in 1865, a broadsheet titled The Soldier's Prayer Book appeared in a book about the history of playing cards. In America, the tale of the soldier and his deck of cards has been told about almost every war that America has been in. The Civil War, the Spanish-American War, the First World War, the Second World War, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and even the wars in Iraq, in Afghanistan. So this little tale, immortalized for us uh, by T. Texas Tyler and his beautiful song that we just heard, which has also been covered by a number uh, of people, strangely enough, including Wink Martindale. Uh, you can go out and go to YouTube and hear the Wink Martindale version of that, but you can also hear uh, many other versions of it if you just go out there and, and type that information into YouTube. Has a pretty firm history, and this history goes back obviously to this time period when we see playing cards having already been introduced <clears throat> into European culture. Clearly this story would not have existed in the form that it does uh, before time. We wouldn't see it with Chinese playing cards or the Malmut Empire and their first playing cards. But we do see it once it comes into Europe and comes into contact with the Bible. And because of the date that we first hear from it, 1762, we know that these cards that are being discussed are primarily taking on the uh, English or European form, the British form of those cards. And so in reflection, let's think about what that song talks about, because the song pretty much says, says it all for us. It talks about a deck of cards being used 
as a kind of mnemonic tool to remember one's Bible and the parts of it. So here we have the aces reminding us that there is but one God, because the ace is the one. The deuces reminds us that the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old and New Testament. In older versions, you will also find the two sometimes being listed as being reminiscent of the two tablets that Moses brought down at Sinai. Then we see the tray for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the four for the evangelists. Sometimes this also will change. The five, the five wives' versions who trimmed their wicks. The six reminds us of the six days of creation and God resting on the seventh reminds us the seven of whatever suit reminds us of that. This is very old and does not change very much. The eight, we see the eight righteous purchase persons for whom survived the destruction by the flood. The nine, the nine lepers who were cleansed. The 10, now we see the 10 commandments. So sometimes this changes if the two is being used as the two tablets. The king reminds us that there is but one king in heaven. The queen, we see the Blessed Virgin Mary. This often changes. The queen often in varieties of this tale will change and will be any number of important female figures from scripture. And the jack or knave being the devil. Then, of course, we have that famous calculation that often occurs that there are 52 cards, which equal the week of the year, weeks of the year, four suits, the number of weeks in a month, 12 picture cards, month of the year, and 13 tricks, which is ace through king being the weeks and a quarter. And so we have this tale, and it circulates, and it goes on and on and on and on. Now, what's somewhat interesting about this is that in its earliest form, we see crossovers between this tale, which is a tale and is later made into a song, a deck of cards, the soldier's prayer book and cards spiritualized, has part of its roots out of, I kid you not, traditional songs, traditional Jewish songs sung at Passover as part of the Passover Seder. And there are these number games. These are the number songs. They are particularly done for children. And they recount what does the one. The one reminds me there is but one God. The two reminds me, etc., etc. So this extends beyond just a deck of cards. It extends into this whole world of mnemonic tools to remember basic scriptural points, basic points of biblical teaching, characters, etc. And you will see this with variation in the French, the German, the English, and on and on, the Italian, and everyone has their own little change in this. We see Catholic versions of it. We see Protestant versions of it. And again, we have that callback to even the Jewish song at Passover for this remembrance of number sets to biblical elements. 
But what does it have to do with hoodoo? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it have to do with hoodoo? Well, what this means is that you can use a deck of cards to associate to these biblical characters, these scriptural points. It's as easy as taking out a deck and a marker and writing them down and using them. And so tonight on The Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, I am going to do something a little different. Having introduced you to this and having given you a bit of education on this, I'm actually going to give you a full little bit of work that you can do yourself. And so I now share with you Professor Porterfield's Portable Pocket Altar. Trademark. This is a little unique kind of pocket altar from myself to all of you. For this altar, you need a deck of playing cards, a Sharpie marker, and a piece of cloth or a bandana or a kerchief. You use your sharp marker to write the following on the cards, leaving the seven, nines, and jacks blank. On the ace, for the ace of hearts, you will write life, for diamonds, god, clubs, devil, and spades, death. This is going to get very complex, but I'm going to tell you where you can find it later. For the twos, the hearts represent the Old Testament, diamonds the New Testament, clubs the Bible, and spades the beginning and the end. For the threes, hearts would be your own name, diamonds would be the Father, clubs the Son, and spades the Holy Ghost. For the fours, the hearts are Matthew, diamonds Mark, clubs Luke, and spades John. The fives, the hearts and diamonds represent the wise version. The clubs and spades represent the foolish virgins. Virgins. For the sixes, the hearts are day and night, the diamonds sky and land, the clubs sun and moon, and spades birds and beasts. For the eights, the hearts are Noah, the diamonds are Noah's wife, clubs are Noah's son, and spades are Noah's daughters. The tens, hearts and diamonds are thou shalt, the clubs and spades are thou shalt not, the queens, Hearts are Eve, diamonds Bathsheba, clubs the Queen of Sheba, and spades the Virgin Mary. And finally for kings, the hearts are Adam, diamonds King David, clubs Solomon, and spades Joseph the Carpenter. The completed cards now give you creation and the Bible for your altar. The blank sevens represent negatively and the blank nines represent positively love wealth work and troubles respective to their suit hearts diamonds clubs and spades. the blank jacks represent any individual you wish to aid pray for throw on draw closer or curse to use this altar you lay out the handkerchief as an altar cloth and then place any four marked cards randomly taken from the deck in the corners of the cloth for veneration meditation or to be called upon in the center of the cloth, you will lay out whichever seven, nine, or jack you are working on or for. And you can even deal the cards out, as I said, randomly to use this altar for a kind of divination. When finished, you put the cards back in their pack and tie the handkerchief around it, which you will dress that handkerchief with Hoyt's cologne. 
You could read more about this sort of thing in a deck of spells. But if you want to have this written out for you, gosh, he said a whole lot. How am I ever going to remember all that? Well, I can tell you how. Get yourself a copy of Hoodoo Shrines and Altars, Sacred Spaces in Conjure and Rootwork by Miss Phoenix LeFay and published, of course, by the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. Get yourself a copy of it. That working that I just gave you is right in there, and you will have it written down for you, and I hope that you enjoy it. We thank Miss Phoenix LeFay for its inclusion this week in our Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, which comes to us from Hoodoo Bible Magic, Sacred Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery by Miss McHale and myself, and we thank her for its inclusion and use in the show each and every. You can go back in the archives and listen to that again and again, nice and slowly, so you can get it all, or just go and pick up the book for yourself. Up next, we're going to be going into the kitchen where we're going to be doing, well, we're going to be doing the old goofer dust swing. You stole my man, you know good rat. You stole my man, you know good rat. You should be dead. 
That was Lil Johnson with Goofer Dust Swing, and it leads us into our In the Kitchen segment. Although I hope that you do not have Goofer Dust in your kitchen. Also, our Name It and Claim It this week is won by Miss Catherine Ironwood, who correctly named Goofer Dust Swing by Lil Johnson. This is going to be a somewhat unusual topic because normally in the kitchen we talk about a, how do I want to put this, a pure element, as it were. Tonight we're going to be talking about a compound. So in other words, goofer dust is not a naturally occurring substance. It's not a mineral curio. It's not a vegetable, a root, an animal curio. It's a, it's a recipe, if you will. So that's a little different. Now, why are we talking about goofer dust? Well, a little while ago, we received a letter here at the Now You Know Show, which I will now read. This letter comes to us from the Grand Mufti of Satanism, who writes, So, why would anyone want to trust goofer dust for playing games of chance? Does it have a reputation for winning? Hmm? And we promised last week that we would answer that question. And so we're going to get, that question is asked in reference to our piece of music we play each week by the Nicholas Brothers, Lucky Numbers, at the beginning of the Lucky Numbers segment of the show. And that particular clip comes from the short, The Black Network from 1936, in which the Nicholas Brothers sing that and dance to it. They are uncredited in that short, The Black Network, but that's where it comes from, if you were wondering where we got that each and every week. And in that, they say, put your trust in goofer dust. And that has elicited the question, which we will come to. First, let's talk about goofer dust a bit. Goofer dust is an African-derived compound that has long been used by Southern root doctors to work tricks to jinx an enemy in family, money, job, and health matters. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of different recipes for this mixture, but the best ones contain graveyard dust, sulfur, snail dust, snake skin sheds, plus powdered herbs, among them red pepper, and sometimes mullion. The word goofer is an Americanization of the Congo word kufwa, which means to kill. And according to my own research, which I have done diligently, it is the origin of the word goofy in American slang and language. Someone acts goofy, they have been goofered. Thus, a precise translation of goofer dust would be killing powder. It is not an instant killer, but acts slowly over time. People who have been goofered act erratic or goofy as they suffer hard luck and trouble. They slowly sicken and die, sometimes described as howling like a dog and crawling on all fours. Goofer dust is employed in many harmful rituals, often as a medium in which to snuff out an enemy's candles. And I will talk about a few of them. <clears throat> there is a bottle spell containing foot track that uses goofer dust. Folks well-versed in evil doings say that one way to hurt a person is to pick up his or her foot track. How would you do that? Well, you could just use a spatula. 
Mix it with goofer dust and stop the mixture up in a bottle. This is hidden in the crouch or hollow of a tree where it cannot be found or thrown into running water. And the person whose foot tract is thus captured is said to waste away slowly. You can also use goofer dust by laying it down. Those who do bad work sprinkle goofer dust around an enemy's home. We heard that in the song, around your door, in the yard, or even in the bedroom, walking backwards as they sprinkle. One may be reminded of the old blues song about having goofer dust sprinkled around your bed and you wake up dead. This is sometimes called throwing for someone, and the person who has been thrown for is in danger of sickness and death if the goofer dust is not soon cleared away. As one old song has it, here we go, gonna sprinkle goofer dust all around your bed, wake up in the morning, find your own self dead. The only way to clean a mess like that out of a house is with a complete purification of the premises. And then we also talked about how to snuff out an enemy's candle. You can use goofer dust to snuff candles. In working a long-term spell against an enemy, you may burn black candles on his, on him or her upside down on top of a photograph on the back of your toilet tank. Rather than let the candles burn out naturally, some folk who do this sort of work keep a saucer filled with goofer dust also on the back tank of the toilet so that they can turn the candle upside down and snuff them while making a curse. This, of course, is a urban modernization of the much older custom of burning such candles in an outhouse and snuffing them out with feces. And then finally, we have the notorious and famous Love Me or Die, a backball to goofer a man for love, which I will allow you to go out and find out about for yourself. But where can I find out about it? Well, you're lucky because our In the Kitchen section comes each and every week, not only from our own knowledge, but from Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African American Conjure by our good friend, teacher, and fellow traveler, Miss Catherine Ironwood. And we thank her for its use and inclusion in the show every week. But you didn't answer the question. Aha! Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm about to. So our question is, why would someone put their trust in goofer dust? Does it help in gambling with lucky numbers? I would have to say the answer is no. Here, the statement is being made by the Nicholas brothers to talk about the efficacy and the efficiency, the into goofer dust. Goofer dust is going to work for you. It's going to get that old job done, going to get that trick done. Why do we use it in the song? Because we're saying that the lucky numbers have the same level of efficacy as that goofer dust. You see, it is as effective. We believe in it as much. That's why we are putting our trust in it, just as we have our trust that the lucky number that we have attained will hit. And we want to thank Grand Mufti of Satanism for bringing us that question. We were very happy to answer it. <clears throat> that is not the royal we. I actually do have a frog in my pocket. Well, folks, 
I would love to stay and talk with you more, but we've already run just a touch over. And so as much as I would like to talk more and more about Goofer Dust and cards, you know I love to talk about playing cards and the Bible. And there are quite a few more things that I would like to say about the pontification tonight. I hope that the language of the pontification did not offend you. If it did, write me a letter. I'll put it on the show. That's it. Just me and Count Goulash and Miss Loretta Evans went out to get coffee. And nobody else here in the studio but me. I mean, this is it. We've turned off the lights. And, I mean, this is, this is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning.
This has been a production of the LMC Radio Network. Oh, bless their hearts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.